Good evening and welcome to Pastor's Class as we walk through another week of the book of Thessalonians as we enter chapter 4 of our Bible study over these few weeks. If you have your Bible there open with you, we'll be in 4 verses 1 through 8. Also, we do have the handout there available in the notes. And we've been using a book. It's Christ-Centered Exposition, First uh, and Second Thessalonians. And uh, if you have a chance to pick that up, that is a book we are using for a lot of our outlines and some of our content as we walk through the class. It'd be a great read for you to pick up uh, over these weeks. But as we get to 1 Thessalonians 4, we're going to be looking at verses that focus now on how we live the Christian life. There's been a long introduction here to this book. We've done three chapters of introduction. And then now as we get to chapter 4, really getting to Paul's exhortation to them as Christians and how they can live. Many, It's, it's something to be said for these young believers at Thessalonica that are, Paul's not chiding them or upset with them. He's actually encouraging them, which says something about uh, their walk with the Lord and how far they've come. And we're going to get to chapter 4 here and look at how he's going to encourage them. So I'd like to just read verses 1 through 8 and then pray for you. So if you have your Bible open there, look at 1 through 8 and we'll walk through those verses. It says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, and each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrongs his brothers, his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. And as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let me pray for us to start our time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these few minutes in your word. May they encourage us to become more like Christ, strengthen us in our pursuit of you, and may these few moments in your word be encouraging to the body of believers as they engage in watching this right now. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we look at 1 Thessalonians 4, as I mentioned before, it is this long introduction. Now we get to chapter 4, and it's an exhortation in particular to spiritual growth, for them to grow in their walk with the Lord. Now, as Christians, oftentimes you start hearing spiritual growth, you might think, uh, that your growth in the Lord is more pressure on your life. Well, just what I need, uh, more people telling me more things I need to do. But in, in reality, it's an opportunity. I know you may, in, in parts of your life, get, get frustrated or have struggles. And you might think, what is it that's going to change and help me to have more joy and peace and happiness? Well, it's the fact that you're going to grow in the Lord. There is hope for you in your walk with the Lord because he's not done making you more like Christ. And so when we talk about spiritual growth and we talk about the things it takes to do it, don't see it so much as maybe more things to do, but see it as more opportunities for your life to be, to have joy, to be with peace, to be 
uh, to be free of sin. There's so many things that come with your spiritual growth. But if you if you look at four, we'll just look at a couple of verses here, or just four verse one. I want to just show you these two phrases. He says, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to, and then notice what he says, walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So the audience here are brothers. That means people that are followers of Christ. They're Christians, but they're not just Christians that are struggling. These are Christians that are walking with God. It says their life is, is uh, out to walk and to please God. He says, just like you're doing that. So the audience here for this message in this moment, not people straying from the Lord. Well, what we're talking to here is those that are walking with God. And he says, you can do this more and more. Meaning that even though you are walking with the Lord, there is more and more growth to be had in your spiritual life. As I noticed the past few weeks, there's been a lot of attention put on Michael Jordan as the documentaries come out. One of the quotes that he said to his trainer after one of those years they had won one of the championships, they usually come off the championship, take a break. But he went to his trainer and he said, right off of the championship, said, I want you to make me better than I was last year. Now you think, here's Michael Jordan, who many call the greatest basketball player of all time, at this point is at the top of his game after winning a championship. And he looks at his trainer and he says, look, if I come back next year the same, I'll lose. I need to come back better than I was this year. Now, I know that's not a Christian drive. There is drive is to win. But I think that that built-in drive, what is placed in him there, is actually a God-given trait in all of us to be able to desire more to look towards more for our walk. And so even if you are walking with the Lord today, you shouldn't become stagnant in believing that, well, I've now arrived. No, we as Christians should always be pressing to become more and more like Christ. How are you currently growing and pressing and learning in your spiritual disciplines? You know, even as a part of my devotions right now, I been reading Donald Whitney's book. Uh, it's a follow-up to spiritual disciplines. It's called Simplify Your, uh, Your Spiritual Life. Uh, we just read uh, earlier this year in January, Habits of Grace by David Mathis. If you haven't read that yet, I would encourage you to pick it up. But all of those are to help strengthen these basic habits of growing in the Lord, to try to memorize scripture in different ways, or to try to pray in different ways, pressing into the spiritual disciplines or your walk with the Lord and to strive for more. That ought to be our desire is to want to grow more. So that's what we're going to talk about here for these few minutes is how you might in your walk with the Lord, maybe you've been walking with the Lord, but you've become a little stagnant. Uh, what are some things that we could look at uh, that we might be looking in our life and say, how can we grow? Paul's starting this topic in chapter four. We'll talk about it here for these few minutes. If you have your hand out there, the first point we're going to look at is our walk must be our priority. Our walk must be our priority. And the first point under that is we must commit to know what God says. So our walk with Him, our desire to please Him, under that means we must commit our lives to actually knowing what God says, to know His 
word. How in the world are we going to do something if we don't know what it is we're supposed to do? First, uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 1 and 2 again. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. And then verse 2, he says, For you know, you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. These are specific biblical commands given from Jesus that are being passed on to them. These are the commands that we're supposed to follow directly from the Lord Jesus himself. You can't obey what you don't know. So that's why we spend time every single week still, even in quarantine, listening to preaching. You will turn on your TV or laptop or phone or device every Sunday and you're watching preaching. That's why we we have these Bible studies during the week. So you can learn the word. And you, again here, what, what you're not caring about is the preacher's opinion. You're not tuning in here to wonder what Mike thinks. My goal is to let you know what the Bible thinks. You're here to learn what the Bible says. So we've already looked at this first verse and how you ought to grow more and more. So now you are learning commands of the Bible. And so that's what, what you want to draw from. The same thing happens as you're involved in discipleship. You want to be around mature believers. Here in verse 1 and 2, what did he say? You were around us and that's how you learned these things. You were learning the commands of Christ through us. And so there's going to be mature believers that are around you that you're learning these things. So how do you know the word? You hear it, from, hear it preached. You also learn it from other mature believers, maybe in a Sunday school class or a discipleship group or a Bible study. And then the third way I would say, and this is a way I would, probably most of my Bible knowledge from my entire uh, life has come from my personal devotion, my time every day reading the Bible. That comes from me personally open, opening the Bible, having a reading plan, and just reading it. My devotions are not, even though I may have extra reading, I, like I just mentioned, the Donald Whitney book, and I read it for a few minutes in the morning, but that's supplemental. It's extra. The main featured event is the Bible in my morning study. And so you want to know what the Bible says. So all this means that we're learning what the Bible actually says. I'm not, I'm not interested in what a preacher said, even though it's good to hear the preacher say it, I'm interested to what the preacher said about the Bible. If he was able to explain something from the Bible to me, then it's helpful. I, I need to know what the Bible says for my life. And so what we're listening and learning to do so we can know exactly what truth is. That's how we know what to do is we've attuned our ear to what we know from the Bible. And if, if you've been a Bible student long enough, you'll start to um, hear things and you'll go, that's not biblical. And you know it because you have built this library of biblical knowledge. You know things and you're able to piece it all together. And so to press back to this point, have you become stagnant in your knowing of his word? Are you daily in it? When you sit down to hear preaching, are you, are you open with your Bible trying to listen and say, well, when pastor's studying this passage in Romans, what, what is he trying to teach me? Well, I'm listening, trying to learn these things. Are you, are you looking for people that might can explain things from the Bible to you? Even as we do this study here, are you trying to learn what's said here in the book of Thessalonians? So 
are you a student trying to know what God's Word says? That's part of your spiritual growth. But to press it, press it to the next level is to know, is to actually do it. Notice the second point under there is we must commit to do what God commands. We're going to commit to do what God says. It's not just what you know, it's what you do. You have to do something with it. Notice what he says uh, again as we read back to the same verses. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So it's not just knowledge there. You're going to have to walk and you're going to have to do it to please God just as you are doing that you, and the same phrase again, but notice it's saying that you do so more and more. You're going to do this very thing more and more. It's action. So the, the book of Thessalonians makes this point several times over uh, that you are to live out the Christian life. If you have genuine conversion, it will pr produce genuine action. And that's why people have heard of the Thessalonian believers. It's not that all of a sudden something changed inside of them and people just say, well, I know he changed his mind, but his life's pretty much the same. Now, why people are talking about them is they're, that the actual, actual living, what they're doing, has changed dramatically. How, how do you live a life that is trying to please God that is constantly being changed on the outside. Here's, here's just something I would warn against, is I think stagnancy in the Christian life comes from oftentimes being legalistic by our spiritual growth. Here's what I mean. We can generate a list of a few boxes to check, go to church, give to the church, um, read my Bible every now and then, and I feel like I pretty much have met what's going to be pleasing to the Lord. But that's not what the Lord's looking for from you. He, he's looking for more than that. He's looking for you to wake up every day and not just say, what are the three boxes you want, but today, what is pleasing to God? That's the phrase here, right? To walk and to please God. Not to check off the six things that Christianity says do. It's to walk and please Him. And so our lives should be spent constantly asking, what pleases you today, Lord? What is pleasing to you now? And when we live that way, not as to check off a couple of legalistic boxes, but to say, I'm going to expend my life for Christ every day when I wake up, you're going to find that you're growing more and more and more. Now, one last thing I'll point out about this verse is that the temptation when we think about growing more and more and more is that we think, I need to now learn something new to do and I've got to go find this new thing. Oftentimes, most times when we, when we grow, it's because the Spirit has ignited in us something we already knew to do. Because notice even how Paul's talking in this verse here. Verse 2, he says, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Verse 1, it says they had already received these things. So they, they already knew them. He said, for you know these things. And you've already received them, but we're asking you to do more and more and more. You ever hear a sermon on prayer? And you come out of it and you think, man, I, I need to pray more. And it's encouraging to your spiritual walk. And so you start praying more and more and more. Do you think that prior to that sermon, you didn't know you needed to pray? 
No, you actually knew that. You know, and all of us sit around thinking, well, I, you need to pray more. But for some reason in that sermon, the Spirit ignited your heart and turned you to desire to pray. And so you came out of that sermon excited and energized and with the Spirit's power using you to pray. I think that's oftentimes how we grow, is that the Spirit takes something we just already know to do and opens our eyes to it and helps us to grow in it. So that's what we're looking to do, to grow more and more, obeying what we know, and in the process, learning the Word of God. So back to my original question. Do you feel like you've become stagnant in your walk with the Lord? Or how are ways that you need to be growing more and more? Here's the second point of our time. God's will must be our guide. So how is it that we grow as a Christian? We need to pursue the will of God. You hear the will of God often used to speak, uh, but there are some very basic things that talk about the will of God. The first point on here is we must avoid, avoid impurity. Avoid impurity. Now, um, that seems like an odd first way to begin. When we talk about the will of God, most people, when they're looking for the will of God, they're thinking of jobs, careers, moving. They're thinking of a spouse, whether they ought to pursue a, a, something in life. They're, they're thinking these bigger things and thinking, well, how do I know if, if I go on this mission trip or uh, how do I choose, you know, a group of friends or whatever it might be, how, what's your will for What's your will in my life? And so we ask these kind of big life directional questions. But the Bible doesn't work that way. The Bible has, when, it, when you think about the will of God, He's not nearly as concerned with where as He is how. And for years of my life, I, I actually struggled with this kind of looking for early on. I kind of was spending these exorbitant amounts of time praying and saying, God, show me your will and looking for you know, a fleece or something out there to just tell me this major directional thing in my life. When most of my energy shouldn't be spent on that as it's spent on, God, how can I pursue you in holiness? And I, this verse was key to showing me that. Notice what it says just right there in verse 3. For this is the will of God. This was helpful because I thought, what does the Bible say about it? This is the will of God. Here's what it is. Your sanctification. You becoming more like Christ. That's the point. You might could become more like Christ at one job or another. You might could become more like Christ at one school or another. The Lord doesn't care so much about where, but He cares how, whether you're pursuing holiness. I don't have enough time to spend expanding this subject and walking through the, the Bible. I'll, I'll recommend two books if this is really interesting to you. Uh, there's a book by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something, and it's uh, to me it's helpful. It's a short book. It's kind of a summary of this idea. If you want a more comprehensive treatment, I think it's about 500 pages. It's a book by Gary Friesen called Decision Making and the Will of God. That was the, that was the one that made such a difference to me because it walked me through text, and I saw, and I've been thinking about this wrong. I am, I am not pursuing, and, and really, verse one and two is helpful here too. To wake up and say what pleases the Lord is the best way to think about it. There's a quote that he uses from Augustine uh, where he says, Love God and then do what, what you please. Love God and then do what you want is essentially what he's saying. Now, it may not be exactly, it's not as in the Bible, but in other words, if you just obey God, just try to pursue holiness, 
then all the rest of the stuff will fall in place. Don't worry about it. Pursuing holiness should be the primary goal of your life. And so when we wake up every day, what pleases the Lord? That ought to be the, the main determining factor of our day. So let's talk a little bit about what this text deals with, with sexual immorality. We'll look at it just for a couple verses here. Verse, the end of verse 3, it says that you abstain from sexual immorality. So stay away from it. And that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So there's this sense at which the body is going to, to call for you to do things and you've got to say no. You've got to control your own body. Verse 5, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And then skip down to verse 7, for God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. So this is a major area of temptation in our culture. If you were to go back to Thessalonica, you would see this highly sexualized culture where there is this thought that whatever you desire is okay. Pretty much today, the only prevailing moral statement our culture would make in this arena is as long as a person consents to whatever act, you can do whatever you like. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible restricts um, sexual activity to just marriage. That's the only place it belongs. And so there's a lot of boundaries and places in which it's not okay. So there's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of places this plays out in our culture. Uh, I would say I've recommended a couple books so far. I'll do another one here. Uh, Heath Lambert wrote a great book called Finally uh, Free. And it's a great book on uh, this topic. He walks through ways to battle temptations, in particular for areas of pornography or whatever it might be, uh, to help you with those temptations. And so here's, here's just another area of sexual temptation. And the thought is, am I, am I, have I become stagnant or settled with whatever level of temptation, whether it's in my mind or whether you're acting things out, whatever it might be, are you pursuing holiness and trying to do what pleases God in this area? So there's, there's the idea of sexual temptation. Let's, let's look at another one here, and really kind of comes from that one, is we must respect others. We must respect others. And, and the temptation for us to think is that when we sin, it's just, it's just, just going to bother me. But sin, sin impacts other people. It hurts other people around us. Notice verse 6, that no one transgresses, in the context of sexual sin here, he says no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter. So when you do this, it wrongs other people. Sin is uh, not something you can just do by yourself and not affect other people. This has impact on all kinds of people, whether uh, if you're, doing something immoral with somebody else, you're dragging them into the sin as well. It can destroy marriages and the impact can be there. Even oftentimes the lie can be said in pornography, but in the production of pornography, there's a massive sex trafficking world that supports that. And so there is sin abounding and sin against others that can be found 
is people sin sexually. So don't go into the lie, as he's pressing against here, that sin is not something that impacts others around you. You, you can't just say it only impacts me. Here's a, here's a third, third thing here from this verse. Uh, we, can, we must assume responsibility. You might not see it at first in verse 6, but it's tempting to also think nothing's going to happen to me. Verse 6, that no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter because, he says, wake up here, the Lord is an avenger in all these things. So the Lord, he's coming after and going to either, he's going to discipline those who do these things. As we told you beforehand, and we've solemnly warned you. So there's a warning to be found here. So before is this nice kind of, hey, look, pursue, pursue Christ. I mean, live your life trying to please him. Now he's saying, look, if you don't, then the discipline of the Lord is going to come down on your life. Hebrews 12 warns against this. When it, when it says, do not take the discipline of the Lord lightly, because it knows that our, our desire or our sinful tendency is to think, nah, I'm never going to get caught. Is to think there's, there's actually not going to be anything coming back to me. But in reality, that there is a disciplining father that will step in on those who sin. And this is, this is where it's tempting to think there's no, I can just kind of exist in the middle ground. There's no middle ground here. You're either under the discipline of the Lord or you are pursuing him. There's not something in the middle here. And so the warning here is against sexual sin. Here's our third point. We'll jump into it. And we'll end with these last couple of verses. God's approval must be our passion. We must be worried about what he thinks about us and what we're doing. And our loyalty is to the Father. Our loyalty is to the Father. So we talked a minute ago about this warning. And then he says, this is what you do if you ignore the warning in verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards this, so if you ignore the warning, he says, disregard not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The positive was the beginning again. Now we've turned into this warning of, if you, if you ignore what we're saying here, you're ignoring God himself. You know, it's tempting sometimes for me to think that when I become stagnant in my Christian life, that somehow that's neutral territory. That if I'm not growing and more and more, that somehow what I'm doing there is, I'm not going bad, I'm not going good, I'm just kind of staying in the middle. But the warning here is that when you disregard what he's calling for you to do is grow as a Christian, you're actually disregarding God himself. You're ignoring him. You know, I see this attitude, particularly as a father with children, and in the quarantine I've had a lot of extra opportunities to see this chance with my children, but I see it when over time, if I don't provide discipline every time when I start to ask my children to do something, if I'm not staying on it, and I just kind of keep giving them words and there's no discipline behind it, I'll start to notice that they just 
ignore what I say. I start saying it three or four times and nobody's, nobody's paying attention. And it's because our hearts have a tendency to just disregard and ignore it until discipline has a way of jolting us and waking us up to where we realize, hey, look, I am disobeying in this moment. And so you may find yourself in this state today where you've maybe disregarding what the Lord has called into your life. You may find yourself stagnant in your Christian life. You may be reading your Bible. You may be watching the sermons on Sundays. You may be connecting with your Sunday school class. But are you growing as a Christian? Do you find yourself sensitive to the heart of what God wants? Do you oftentimes think, man, this is what, what God wants right here? Are, are, are you pursuing His heart for more and more? Now, we've We've seen the Trinity here in many ways. We had Jesus in the first couple of verses. We've talked about God throughout. And now we're going to end with the Holy Spirit. Because no real understanding of what it means to be sanctified is full until you understand the Holy Spirit is a key player in your sanctification. Notice the last phrase he says here. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God. And who? what does God do? He's the one who gives His Holy Spirit to you. He's the one giving the Spirit to help you. The Spirit is there to walk this road with you. That, that's, the, that's the role of the Spirit is helping you in sanctification. Here's a few uses. This, these were listed in the book. I thought they were helpful. I'll, I'll just read them to you quickly. The Spirit is the one who enables you to know God's truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Spirit's the one helping you understand the Word. He helps you in your weaknesses, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. When you're weak and don't, don't know how to pray, the Spirit's there to help you in this walk. He confirms your salvation, 1 John 3, verse 24. The Spirit is there to, to help you know that you're saved, to confirm your walk with the Lord. He points you to Jesus, John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. He convicts you of sin, John 16, verse 8. When you're supposed to grow in the Lord, you've got to see your sin before you can turn from it. And the Holy Spirit's there to convict you of that sin. He helps you to pray, Romans 8, verse 27. And then Galatians 5, 16, He helps you to have victory over sin. One of the great mistakes we make in saying, I'm going to grow, and I, I know I need to grow in my walk with the Lord, is to turn back to our flesh and try to do it outside of relying on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit working in us to make us more like Him. We couldn't be saved without the Spirit, and we cannot be sanctified without Christ and the Spirit working in us to grow us. And so, as we look at the idea of being stagnant in your faith and continuing to grow and pressing for the more and more, and maybe you've thought of some things as we've been talking here that you know that right now you need to start doing. Maybe it, it almost becomes a little bit of a checklist in your mind. I'm going to work on this area of my life. Well, I'll give you two quick cautions at the very end here. Make sure that your compass is always set to pleasing the Lord. You're always asking, is this action pleasing to the Lord? If you don't keep that compass, it's tempting to stop whenever you get the box checked. You just check the box, I'm done. 
But if you're out to please the Lord, you might do that and then do more because that's the that's what's set into your heart. So that's the first thing. Keep yourself towards pleasing the Lord and never stop relying on his power to help you do this very thing. You know, remember that first verse? He said, finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. That's how you're going to do this. They're asking and urging in the Lord Jesus by the power of the Spirit with God the Father. They're calling you to do it. That's how you're going to walk with him. So as you pursue him, pray and ask for his help. As you turn from sin, confess and repent of that sin. As you try to walk this life and pursue more and more, know that it is by his strength you can do it. Let me pray for you and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Spirit's work in our lives. Lord, we pray now that as we turn from sin, turn our affections towards you, that you would empower us to be able to, to live a life that is pleasing to you. I pray for everybody here that's been listening to this. God, strengthen them so they might become more like Christ and that we might live lives that are holy and pleasing to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.